Hello and welcome to the fourth episode in the Creating Customer Success podcast series. My name is Dan and I'm your host. And my name is Alex and I'm your co-host. In this series, we are interviewing customer success leaders to learn how to build and run the best CS teams. On today's episode, we're joined by Steve, who has previously worked as a CS leader at Thomson Reuters and is currently VP of Customer Success at Dynamo Software. So I guess, shall we kick off then just to give the listeners a view into your background in CS? Yeah, of course. So um, my name is Steve McDougall. Um, so I'm currently the Vice President of Customer Success at Dynamo Software. And um, what we focus on is providing software to the, the private equity industry. Um, it's a B2B business. Um, so I've been in customer success for many, many years. Um, probably, I'd say for about probably 16, 17 years, I've been in customer success. And I've been actually leading teams for about 10 years, building teams. I started off my career in customer success at a company called Thomson Reuters, um, which is a financial data company and news company. And I built out a, a very large team there. I was up to about 30 people. Um, and then I moved from there and I started working in a, in a startup, in a customer experience startup, um, um, working on building out teams there. And now I work for Dynamo Software, which is um, not a startup. We'd be beyond the startup stage, um, but much smaller than Thomson Reuters. So, uh, and I'm currently focusing on building out um, a global team here as well. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. How's so, it going so far? It's going really, really well, actually. Very, very well. So, um, so in terms of my background, it's very, it's very varied. You know, so I've seen very different versions of customer success throughout the years, and I have been around before it was even called customer success, right? So, um, so I've seen it evolve. Uh, the, the the industry really evolve over time, and uh, I think it's a good thing. So, what did you find was the sort of trigger for? Um, when, when was it that it evolved into customer success? Yeah, so um, in terms of my own career, so basically I was at Thomson Reuters, you know, pretty much running a team looking after uh, revenue retention. So we were accountable, my team was accountable for about $120 million of revenue. And, um, you know, some of the key things that we were focused on was, you know, account segmentation. It was around um, hiring for the right capabilities in terms of the different people that we needed for the different functions. I mean, in terms of that retention, right? So it was about onboarding. It was about also defending revenue, bits of account management, bits of training, also accountable for um, net promoter scores. So also looking at advocacy. So um, one day I was I was reading an article on LinkedIn about customer success, and I think it was it was I was reading an article about Mark Benioff, who's obviously the who you know who heads up Salesforce, and he was talking about this this. Uh, thing called customer success so i started reading it i was thinking this really resonates with me because obviously it's doing a lot of the things that i'm doing and a lot of the things my other colleagues are doing and wrapped up in a title called customer success so i thought well this is really quite interesting um and so i started watching salesforce and obviously their share price started to really accelerate and i thought well actually this is a really interesting company to watch in terms of the philosophy of customer success so that's how i first heard about customer success and obviously started doing more reading connecting with, with other executives around the world and this just discovered actually it's a booming profession um so yes yeah, so that's how i heard about oh, it exciting yeah. and um i guess was there anything that you had to do internally with regards to shifting the view on what customer success is and how to um, adopt it so yeah so basically it was more around focusing on um like how do you 
how do you get buy-in and funding for a customer success organization, right? So I think that was one thing. I think the, the organization was very focused on that because at the time we had um, a problem with our with our renewal rates, right? So the you know it's a very competitive marketplace, um, a very mature market that I was operating in, whereby it's really about stealing market share from 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 your competitor, right? A very mature market. So it was really about looking at well, how do we how do we resource that properly with the right skills and the right people to make sure that we are able to um, defend that revenue and grow that revenue. So the challenge we had was um, I had a lot of people who are subject matter experts, but they were quite service orientated, right? Subject matter experts really know the product, but when you talked about, okay, so are you willing to talk about growing the business? Are you willing to talk about, you know, helping out renewals? A lot of people were like, Oh, I don't want to do that. That's just like that's that's money. I, I I can't handle that. I don't really want to talk about that. And then it was about how do you transform that mindset, right? In terms of looking at people. So well, actually, you're actually you're actually sixty percent there because you've got the good relationships with your customers. You know the product really inside out, and um and they they really trust you, right? So you're you're actually sixty percent there. So it was about how do we we invest in training programs to train people to be more comfortable having those more financial conversations. So that, so that that's what we had to focus on in terms of shifting that mindset um within the organization and also convincing other stakeholders because you had people who were in traditional account management people who were in traditional sales were thinking what are these service people doing on my accounts like are they are they really equipped to really sell are these are they really sales people i don't think they're really people are sales people these people are going to be stealing my commission and all that stuff they will have to really overcome in terms of um making sure those people are comfortable and it also meant that we had to come up with um, like sales lead schemes specifically for customer success, different from a commission scheme from sales from salespeople. So salespeople were very happy about that. And also um, the lead scheme enabled a greater collaboration between sales and customer success, where sales are quite happy because if the customer success person found the lead, the salesperson closed it, they both got paid, right? So it's a, so it a win-win situation for everyone. And also the the account management team were very happy because they they were seeing because they benefit anyway right because their account whatever gets sold into that account you know they benefit from their own commission so they were pretty happy with it as well so it took a while it took about I'd say a year to transform that the whole environment and eventually we did that so that was a good thing. Exciting. And I guess with regards to the kind of structure there, you mentioned you you essentially have sales and then CS. Yes. What are the roles and responsibilities of both of those teams? So this was in my former former organization. And so that's a good question. And I think because it was a very large organization, right, very large organization, lots of accounts, we were looking, I mean, the territory was, you know, at one stage, you know, 500 accounts, right? So, so the different responsibilities were that the salesperson was just responsible for new business, right, within within existing accounts. And they were like looking for additional departments. So if there was a new department within their account, they're responsible for that. Then you had the account manager who kind of over owns the overall account in terms from a commercial perspective. And they're, the, they're like the permanent person who is who's who is responsible for commercial negotiations on the account. Then you had the where the customer success person can, came in, they were responsible for like driving the adoption of the platform. So really making sure that, you know, they were on the ball in terms of knowing when the renewals are going to happen, because you need to know when it's going to happen, right? 
and then um, monitoring the health of the account, right? To be the eyes and ears in terms of the sentiment of the account. What are the key users talking about? Are they positive towards us? Are they negative towards us? Um, looking at who the key stakeholders are within within the organization. So one of their roles was to come up with something called a heat map, and they would heat map the the territory. So it's literally like a it's like a, a desk by desk, um, a de basically a desk a desk plan. And you'd have every single person's name on that on that plan in terms of who was a user, and then you'd mark that user if they're green, red, or yellow in terms of where they are in terms of are they using our platform and what's their sentiment towards us. And the plan was, and what they had to do was they had to make sure that they were um, seeing everyone and making sure trans turning around any any customers who are negative towards us and especially the key stakeholders. And the key stakeholders are the ones who are going to be influential in terms of signing the renewal contract at the end of the day, really making sure we're turning around those people. So that was the role of the of the customer success person. And what they would do is they would um, have meetings with the account team. So with the account manager, with um, we also had something called a technical account manager to deal with any technical issues. They would also have meetings with the service rep because there would be a support rep for that account. And they'd meet probably on a you know, monthly basis and talk about what's happening with the account, um, what we need to do in terms of the account strategy. Um, they would be talking with the account manager, talking about how we need to set up the account for success in terms of renewal. We'd also have a product person there, so just in case there was something wrong with the product and it needed to be enhanced, you know, making sure that person was on board and we're fixing everything. So, um, so it was more. It was so that was the role of the of the customer success person. So when you'd made the full transition that you're saying took almost a year what would you yeah. say the major impacts were from that so i think the major impacts were with the the impact on the renewal rates so i think that was the major impact whereby you know there was a lot of focus like a lot of focus was given by senior management on on the whole on the new on the new uh, model um also the big impact was we started to um redefine the profile of the person that we wanted new people we wanted to bring into the organization so we found um globally throughout the throughout the world we started to hire more kind of commercially mindseted people who were much more resilient because you have to you have to be quite resilient so we saw an impact on hiring and the profile of people that came in and also we saw an increase in the number of um, new sales that came into to, into the business because that was the impact of, of customer success. It started to bring in these new the new revenue streams as well. And um, and also what we saw was there was a greater collaboration between CS and, and, and product management because um, the CS people we started to bring in were much more vocal. They were more strategic. They were... Um, kind of more dynamic kind of individuals that we had before. So I think that was the impact. And also we had an impact on the the net promotion scores. Yeah. So CSAP scores, um, there was a much greater impact on on that as well. So so overall, it was a, it was a very good impact. Perfect. And in terms of that collaboration, um, you obviously mentioned things like technical account managers. Yes. Did you find that there was a sort of shift in mindset as well to being more focused on what the customer wants compared to what maybe the teams th um, thought internally was the best thing to yeah develop. definitely yeah definitely so um there was there was a greater alignment between um the customer and product development because um it was in the goals of the cs people to 
as you know to bring product into a lot of the conversations that they were having around any problems with the product but also about future developments because often as you know the customers you know sometimes they can come up with some really great ideas in terms of how the product should should work or some new use cases so we found that was a really good good source of the product being in front of the of the customer right really getting the voice of the customer about what they wanted to see in the in the product so that was really powerful so yeah so yeah that's it i guess on that alignment with products are there any strategies that you would recommend implementing to create like the ultimate alignment between cs and products yeah, so in my current role, so basically um, I sit next to the global head of products. We sit next to each other. Um, so we we meet um, weekly. So we have a discussion weekly. So she'll talk about uh, what the key strategies are for the, the product team. And I'll talk about how we can, you know, really help the product team to leverage those strategies, particularly from a beta perspective, looking for beta customers for um, key features that we want to, we want to launch. Um, also what I'll do is as a part of, um, our, my voice of the customer program. So, um, I have interviews with customers on a, on a regular basis. And so I kind of got deep dives. So we'll have a, a real heart to heart with customers and I bring product into those conversations where we ask about, you know, you know, what's working, what's not working so well, what would you like to see? Would you like to be a beta customer of a particular feature or function? So that really that really um helps us to um test our ideas, iterate the ideas, and then launch a successful product um uh across the entire customer base. So I think that's how we work very closely. Also um the the CS team work very closely with the product team. So we have a a CS product meeting um, once every two weeks, uh, a formal meeting where we go through um, any key problems that are happening. Um, product get back to us and tell us where that issue is within the, within the pipeline, whether actually we are going to fix work on it or or not. Because sometimes, you know, you just you can't fix everything. You you just have to say to the customer, "Look, sorry, we we're going to fix A, B, and C, but." Um, X and Y, we're just not going to do it now, or we're going to do it probably next year or something, or you know. So that really helps us to be straight with our customers as well. And I, that's what I believe in being just being straight with the customer, yeah. like saying, "Look, it's just not going to happen." Expectations and- yeah, <laughs> look, it's not going to happen, so <laughs> don't expect it. Really sorry about that, you know. Um, just be straight with them, and I think they respect you more when you're you're kind of straight with them. Yeah, so, I was going to say, I guess that it benefits both sides of the product. It does, right? because yeah. The product team get their priorities based on what the customer wants, and then the customer have their expectations. Yeah, them, honestly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Um, so we've spoken a lot about um the roles and responsibilities. I just want to take it back sort of a step before that. Yeah, sure. So when you were deciding to transition the team, and then when you got to a stage where you wanted to grow that and hire more people. Yes. How did you first decide to segment the customer base? So that's a really good question. So um, when I became like a, in my first role as a as a leader, I was given a really huge account territory, and um, the challenge was like, what do I do with it? How do I, how do I segment it? So I've been catapulted into this um, big promotion, and I so I thought, well, okay, so let me observe how things are happening right now so what i did is i went out with the csms and you know spoke with them and their customers and got into their world in terms of the key challenges and what i found was that like every customer was being treated the same not that's a bad thing right but 
you know, you'd have a very high value customer, say, for example, five million pound customer, and then you've got like a, you know, a five thousand pound revenue customer, and they've both been treated the same, right, in terms of the time being spent. So I, I was finding that CSMs are spending like sometimes more time with the lower value customers than the higher value one, right? And from a business perspective, you know, that just doesn't make sense, right, from that. So what we did is, so we then, we did a segmentation according to, obviously, revenues in terms of the the actual revenue right now. So we bucketed into the high value, mid value, low value. But also we had a, a cross segmentation across that in terms of looking at, okay, so the customer might be mid value, but they might have high potential. So there might be a lot of potential in there from uh, from a new revenue business point of view or for sort of from a services revenue point of view and very importantly as well so a customer could be low value but they, they've got high referenceability so they're willing to give a reference um, to to us or make a public reference or willing to speak to a, a sales prospect right so some so that's another form of segmentation that I kind of overlay onto the onto the base so it's like segmentation on value on potential and are they referenceable right so that's how we kind of segmented the segmented the customers fantastic it's something that i've noticed a lot as well just kind of in my time in cs a lot of the time you do allocate your your efforts towards those lower value accounts that it's maybe harder to drive adoption with or that there could be more risk factors that's correct and um how would you i guess recommend splitting out the difference in service strategy yeah, so for me, um, we also have, in my current role, we also have a segmentation uh, based on um, maintenance. So a customer, are they super high maintenance? <laughs> are, they, are, they, <laughs> are they high maintenance? Are they low maintenance? Are they mid-maintenance? And then you kind of look at that, cross-reference that to value and referenceability, right? So it's about looking at, I would say, what is, what is going to be the best outcome? For your effort right what's going to be the best outcome so if you are if you're a csm and you're struggling with a low value customer and you know the the best outcome would be probably there'll be half adopt the platform and versus you could be spending that time with a higher value customer that's going to be give you a, probably a reference um, that's probably going to buy additional services from you so you'd probably want to think there's always that trade-off right so you're going to think well where do where do you want to better spend your time and as a csm you i would expect you to come to me or go to your boss and say hey look i've got this is my situation i've got a low adopting customer here the best outcome could be probably half they could probably half adopt it and you know fine but then there's our other customers here where i could be focused on where we can get a better outcome so i think that's that's what i would do if i was a csm just really focus on where the best outcome would be and then you've already told everyone, told management about it. So, uh, you know, just in case you have a bonus related to it, you know, to those accounts, you know, you've kind of said, well, look, you know, my time is really better off spent um, somewhere else. Yeah. And I guess on that point as well, because measurement is one great way of being yeah. able to kind of yeah show your efforts and yeah. how they're driving success. And you mentioned a lot around like sentiment earlier. Yes. How do you currently measure sentiment? Yeah, so sentiment is really interesting. So basically, um, so how we currently do it is through is through a survey. 
So we measure sentiment through survey. And um, you have survey tools that are able to pick out uh, sentiment. Um, and then so that, and then in my former role when I was working at a CX startup, that was what we did. Our survey to our tool it was able to detect sentiment within unstructured feedback. So unstructured feedback is you know when you put out a survey and you you write text. So it was able to analyze the text and pick out sentiment. So that's one way you can do that. So you can have a, a survey tool, a sophisticated survey tool that does that. Um, also, you can pick up sentiment through just your conversations that you have, every everyday conversations you have with your customers, right? If they're saying, you know, I, you know, this product, you know, it really sucks and, uh, you know, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing and, you know, I'm going to get rid of it or, you know, or I had a really bad interaction with your service team and they couldn't answer my question or, you know, you kind of pick it up, you know, you, you know, as the eyes and ears, as a CS, you know better than anyone else in terms of sentiment. So that's a good way of kind of measuring that sentiment, right? Um, so you'd know that. Likewise, positive sentiment, you know, customers are really happy, they're getting the outcomes, but remember, don't confuse happiness with with a, that they're going to renew. It doesn't mean anything, right? Because they're going to be happy and still cancel. Um, so you want to think about yeah, they're happy, but also are they getting the outcome that they wanted from the platform? Is it benefiting them? Is it really helping them achieve their business goals? Um, so that's really important. And I guess success plans to that point is is a great way of being able to track against those desired outcomes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Definitely. Definitely. And then from conversations, let's say if you spoke to a user and yeah. that you, you kind of did pick up that they're having a bad experience, mm-hmm. is there any way that you track that in terms of Salesforce with perhaps maybe certain measures or ratings that you apply to an account? Yeah, so basically, so we have a, a platform which, which we use to kind of track all our customers. Um, and so, you know, if there's if there's a rating that CSM does on the account, like it's like once a month, they rate the account. And so if they rate the account like um, unsatisfied, then we get a notification that the customer's unsatisf- unsatisfied. And then myself um or somebody else would get involved in that situation fantastic so just flagging it early yeah flag it. you have time to yeah flag it as early as possible and um you know depending on the value of the customer then i or someone else would get involved in terms of um you know understanding you know what's going on and you know and we encourage honesty so i always say to customers look just just be really honest with me just tell me I won't be offended. Like you just tell me what's not working. I really like to know what's not working because I'm not a mind reader, right? And we're not mind readers. So if you tell us what's really going on, then we can do something about it. You know. So but so don't you know? Don't be afraid to just tell us like what it really is. How it really is. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really great. And especially even earlier, where you was mentioning that you jump on calls with clients to kind of understand their yep. challenges, issues, new features that they potentially want within the products. When CSMs are working with clients, yes, is there a set structure of different touch points throughout the year that they'll have or different types of conversations? So that's a good point. So um, I think the challenge we have is it's uh, you can't scale that across all the customers, right? So I think when I came into this role, I thought, yeah, great, we can do success plans for all our accounts. And then um, the CS team <laughs> came to me like six months later, saying, Steve, this is like not realistic. We haven't got time to do all this. Well, I had to kind of rethink my strategy. I said, well, guys, what do you think is best, right? And you're, I mean, it's your, 
you know, it's your life. You, you kind of tell me what, what, what's the best. And they said to me, well, we can do these plans for our the high value customers, but we're, we're not able to do them for everyone. So I was like, okay, fair enough, right? So um, in our business, our business is very, um, uh, it's a time and materials business. So we do, we carry lots of, we carry lots of projects from our customers. So for the, for the high value ones, we're always in contact with them anyway, if you see what I mean, because there's always a new project to work on. So it's the ones that I worry about are the kind of the mid, mid, mid market ones, and they're not necessarily always contacting us. So as a rule, like we try and reach out to them once a quarter um, to talk to them, especially about the new product releases, something new in the product, we can talk about that. Or just a, a general touch point, you know, how are things going? Or we also monitor the usage of the platform so we can touch base and say, well, actually, hey, this is, you know, we noticed that you're not using it so well. Or, or we noticed there's a new person that started using it. And who's this person? Can we speak to them? Can we get to know what their goals are and so forth? So it's really about just, just keeping in touch with them, making sure that uh, things are, are going okay. Um, and also we have, um, for the big customers, we obviously have an annual review process. So what we do is we have an annual review, uh, and then in the annual review, we also make recommendations for the next year. So we say, okay, so the year, this is what we, we accomplished at the year. Um, and, but this is what we're recommending for the following year. So we kind of make recommendations for the, for the following year and then try and put those recommendations in a, in a timeline across the entire year. And it just helps to keep you on track in terms of uh, what's going on. But I think, but nine times out of 10, the whole timeline changes and, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not, it all shifts and then, you know, so, so now we just, I just say, well, look, just put an outline for the year. We know it's probably going to change, but just, just keep, just keep in touch every quarter to make sure that we can adjust it in real time uh, as you go along. I think that links back to what you were saying earlier about the commercial mindset and also the ability to able to forecast these things so, yes like yeah. you said you start off at the the start of the year or the start of the subscription with a success plan so yeah for your higher value accounts you know what they want to achieve and when yeah but also the ability to realize that that is quite agile and it will change it will change yeah it so always you, you need change. those touch points to yeah. just make sure that you're on track with those. exactly because you know things change right because goals change um and the worst thing i found is when key stakeholders leave right stakeholder leaves new stakeholder comes New stakeholders has different goals, different objectives, not interested in what happened before, wants to start again from scratch. You know, so you really need to keep in touch, especially when a stakeholder leaves, because that's one of the big risks in terms of your platform, right? Because they come along and they, they might not have an interest in your platform, but they don't, or they don't care about it. They're not interested. And then you've got these different challenges that you need to kind of face, right? So, yeah. yeah and I think that's, um, you saying before as well, that sentiment is sometimes leads you down. Um, you know, the, the wrong direction so if your um key stakeholder does leave and you haven't like the new person comes in yeah. if you haven't had any actual outcomes or evidence yeah. to support that relationship then yeah the new person isn't really going to come in and believe that exactly. there's any value in the platform exactly. and that's why it's important to document value as you go along so in terms of documenting roi you know so documenting the story so if you can have the story of oh you know this is why you bought the platform in the first place these are the key challenges that you're having these are the key challenges that you saw we solved we managed to save you x amount in in time or in money or costs or whatever over the time of the relationship um and this is what the internal 
survey has been showing about how positive you are towards our platform so it kind of really builds up that positive story around the whole journey and that really helps the new stakeholders think oh okay well you know it sounds like you know this is really interesting right and then what you also do is you get um key champions to talk to the to the new stakeholder to like really engage with them and say hey this is really interesting this is why you should keep the platform and and so forth so yeah so I kind of went off on a tangent there, but yeah. I know I yeah. think yeah, I quite like that though because yeah. I think that's almost a nice bit to do. You've done the hard work, and yeah. it's almost just putting it down on paper and saying this is everything that we've essentially done for you. Yeah, sorry. yeah. and it can get lost sometimes in terms of that element because I think a lot of CSM sometimes will busy. focus so much on the hard work and they'll be quite reactive in places and yeah. busy, and then not really shouting enough around you know what yeah. we have done and the great success exactly 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 that's why i think when you have those touch point conversations with customers you know you want to talk about okay so what benefits are you getting from the platform how is this helping you in your in your job how is this helping you with your own plus objectives that you've been given yourself right so i think it's important to you know be constantly asking those questions and also um I think it's good to have a, a really strong relationship with your customers. So I say to my team, you know, if you want to take them for lunch, if you want to go to the pub with them, if you want to, you know, go and do some activities with your customers, go and do that because it really helps to build up that, you know, that relationship. And I think I'm probably a bit old school and I think a lot of stuff nowadays is just done through the phone or through um, WebEx or GoToMeeting or whatever. I think if the customer is just close to you, then you should just go and have a, just go and meet them, right? Have a proper relationship with them build that relationship and then you can maintain the relationship through digital but i think there is a time when at least once a year depending on your model obviously your model where you should at least you know go meet your customers if they're nearby or if they're just like a couple hours flight away just go and see them right well obviously cost cost depending right but i think that's important to build that relationship because it it helps it goes a long way um in terms of that and people are more likely to open up to you face to face and tell you what's really going on you know about the company like you know if the company's in trouble or they're growing they're opening a new department or um they're able to tell you about the politics as well like you know who likes who who doesn't like who and like who you should really talk to and you know and who to avoid and who's who your champions are and who who you really need to, need to pay attention to so and they're not really necessarily going to tell you that over a digital you know uh, you know a digital audio way you just what i mean so yeah yeah i think it also cool. just helps to see them in their work environment as well yeah, so what, exactly. what happens in their typical day where yeah. do you as a provider actually fit within that structure yeah exactly because also remember like you're a provider you're, you're competing for desktop space right you're competing for space on a if you're all if you're if you've got an app you're competing against all these different apps you're competing against and what you're really competing against is is mind space Right, because you know your customers shop to work every day. They're bombarded with messages. They've got all the different apps. They've got all these different applications that they use, and your application is just one of hundreds of applications they use. So I think the more you can become top of mind with your customer through building those strong relationships, and obviously you've got to have a good product behind it, right? Because you can't, you know, good product is is fundamental. But if you're top of mind, then it really helps you to build that relationship and um, to kind of you know make make them happier and then make them more successful brilliant and i guess in just taking it back to those outcomes essentially yeah driving growth driving retention driving product adoption are there any kpis that your csms are measured on 
Yeah, so we're measured on, um, so we have a customer health score, so which they're measured on. So according to their accounts or a portfolio health score. Um, and then also we are obviously very um, numbers driven. So we're measured on our, our net retention numbers. Um, also measured on our uh, advocacy numbers. And what we measure is we measure um, references. So the number of references that uh, a customer our customer base gives to um, sales prospects, so they'll join those calls and and, and talk talk to customers, potential customers, um, and often you know that really helps to close the sale, right? In terms of because sales prospects are more likely to listen to a customer than to you know a salesperson or a person from the company, right? So um, so we find so that's a really a strong measure that we measure and we look at as well. How do you um, incentivize those references? So we don't we don't incentivize references at all. We just say, hey, would you like to um, would you give a reference? And a lot of our customers are happy enough just to give one. Um, and then you know, and then what we will tend to do is the people who give references will tend to invite them to our customer events. Well, we invite everyone, but then you know we take them out for dinner. Um, we say thank you. Um, you know, or give them a box of chocolates. Nothing, nothing too expensive. Yeah, just to kind of show that appreciation. To show that we appreciate them. Yeah, so, I yeah. guess that's the the ultimate test of a client relationship, isn't it? If it they're is. willing to take yeah. time out of their own day, yeah, to reference your product, then exactly, you know, you're in quite a good place with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's a key thing that um we focus on, and that's also a key way that you can justify customer CS yeah. because CS is actually helping to drive the the sales engine of the company right so i think that's one of the one of the great reasons to have a cs team brilliant sorry go for it oh yeah it was just um so just around like the measurement and application i guess looking at what csms are doing well is there anything that you've seen from your experience where csms can potentially even waste time in some places doing the wrong activities yeah i've seen it a lot in terms of wasting time um you know the csm role is is very challenging right because you know we say to csms oh you need to be more strategic but and be less tactical but you know when the phone is ringing there are lots of problems and you know or you've got lots of customers and they've got or you're doing a big massive rollout or something or you know you, you get really really busy right so it's really it's quite hard to, to really focus on the right thing sometimes right so i think where i see csm's kind of um waste time is it's something we alluded to earlier where the focus is so much on a on a very low value customer whereby they have uh they're trying their best with the customer but on the customer side, there's an unwillingness, a complete unwillingness to cooperate, or unwillingness to to even engage, right? So, and that's why you're wasting time, right? Because I think, because it takes two to tango, right? Because if the customer's really unwilling and it's not of significant value, then, you know, don't waste time on that. Just move on to something else. Um, also, I see where, where I see some wasting time is, um, particularly on the same topic of trying to re-engage with users, is where is the over-reliance on emails. So they're sending lots of emails. So I'll say, so what's happening with this customer? They haven't engaged for a long time. Oh, what are you doing about it? So well, I've been sending, they haven't answered my 10th email. I'm like, well, you know, you're sending them, haven't you got the message, right? Email's not working. You need to try another way. So, um, so I think, because I encourage people, just be more direct, pick up the phone, like call them, you know, call the, call the switchboard number, try and get through to them or something like that. So it's really to engage with them is to stop wasting time with, uh, with emails. And I think another place where we, 
we waste a lot of time and maybe it's through the organization how we're set up sometimes is through is admin like logging activities you know there are several different options to log one type of activity and they're trying to figure out which one to choose in terms of logging the activity so i think that's where as leaders we need to make sure that the tools are set up in a better way so people can just log activity in a much more straightforward way so i think that's where i see csms wasting time um and then sometimes i see PTSM wasting time where they um sometimes they act like a lone wolf like they want to do everything on their own like just they feel like they need to do everything they need to be the hero they need to do everything instead of leveraging colleagues around them saying well actually look has has anyone um you know done a certain thing before has anyone sent out a certain email template before another csm might have a template which they've used before which you can then leverage from someone else or someone else might be an expert in dealing with challenging customers and they can help you with doing that so you don't have to do that all on your own so i think that's where ccsms wanting to be this hero and not and not reaching out to for help with from other csms or other people within the company and in that respect do you ever set any sort of parameters or guidelines where you do just stop with those customers that are simply just not engaging do you say what well, gets to a certain point and yeah we just lost that customer yeah so yeah so exactly so well, i'll review those those customers who aren't engaging with the csms and there's up to a point where we say look we've you've sent your 10 emails uh you've done the direct call um i've reached out to the to the customer themselves nothing's happening let's just move on you know there's no point wasting time because we could be spending time on generating value-added activity as opposed to wasting time with someone who's not interested right it's like trying to go on a date with someone who's not interested in you yeah like, <laughs> like what's the point yeah. right it's not going to happen just yeah. move on yeah and i guess it goes back to that segmentation part as well yes with depending on the value of the client exactly the potential exactly of the value. Yeah. exactly then, yeah, yeah essentially if it's a high value customer we'll continue yeah. we'll do a phase of engagement if nothing happens we'll say okay let's leave it for a while like let's set a to it again later. calendar yeah. something in the calendar month from now let's try again or let's try an alternative ways to re-engage with the customer um but with the high value ones eventually you do get through and you do get engaged um but with the low value ones then just like you know just kind of move on and then yeah. see if something happens later on yeah. i guess the best way to protect yourself in that situation is like you were saying before to not just keep in touch with your key decision maker but also the end users the champions yeah even people that aren't technically users maybe they yeah they receive the data yeah from one of the users exactly exactly and sometimes you'll find even like um other people can help you like the uh like the pas the secretaries to the people that use the tool can sometimes give you insight in terms of what's happening in the business you know sometimes they'll tell you well actually they're really busy like they're going through a really busy time right now and they're not going to be engaging with you right now or the company's not doing very well and some people are going to be made redundant so so therefore you know they're going to be losing their jobs too so i don't think they're really going to care about your platform right so you know so sometimes you get those good insights from different people as you say you correctly say who want end users yeah different circumstances different circumstances yeah different circumstances brilliant now um we we touched on it at the start but you mentioned that you are also a coach yeah that's um, right yeah and this actually feeds on quite nicely into the next section which is mainly around like future trends of cs but then also advice yes csm so it'd yeah be great to just get your thoughts on essentially what 
like what advice would you give to a CSM perhaps even starting early within their career? Yeah, so I think um, as a CSM starting off early in your career, so I think you want to be thinking about like um, what type of CSM you are, right? Because CSM means so many different things to so many different people, right? Because you could see one a role that's advertised as CS, but it's it's really account management in disguise or it's really sales in disguise or it's really a support role in disguise. So I think you've got to look at yourself and think what is it what are your key skill sets that you want to you you have what are your key strengths that you need to focus on and then how are you going to be able to leverage leverage those strengths also what you're going to think about is what are you really passionate about like what's your true passion like is it technology is it a particular industry is it finance is it mark tech marketing tech is it cx tech is it you know, um, so you've got to think about what you're really passionate about because that's really going to drive you. Because if you're not passionate about something, you know, it's going to be re- it's going to be a struggle for you, right? So think about what you're passionate about. Think about what your strengths are. So you know, if you if you think you're really strong in terms of commercials, you're strong at building relationships, you're strong at doing negotiations, for example. Then think about maybe a commercial type CSM role that you want to go into. Um, and I'd also say that what you want to do is you networking is key so networking is like the most fundamental thing that you can do so build out networks with people who work within organizations that you're interested in or people working the role the dream role that you think is your dream role and talk to that person talk to those people before you sort of apply for roles so talk to people who work for the company to really sense check is what's the job description does that really match up to reality because you know that the job description often does not match up reality. And then you go up to the company, start working in the role and think, oh, well, this is not what was the job description and so forth. So really start talking to people in the in that particular company that you want to, you want to work for, I think is one key thing. Um, and also what I think is you should be reading, do lots of reading about customer success and the latest trends, um, attend events. Um, I know there are lots of events globally that happen now in customer success. Um, obviously, there's the Gainsight event people go to. There are also the customer success network events in across Europe um, that the customer success network has has been launching. So I'd say definitely go to those events to to really learn about other um, CS and and also it helps to build your community as well with other CSs. Um, and also, I'd say um, if you really want to stand out from everyone else, I think. What you can do is you can start becoming a subject matter expert in your area. So if you've you if you've got a use case where you know you've turned around a successful a, a miserable account or an account that's not engaged being engaging, write an article about it. Like write an article. Of course, don't mention the customer name. You don't need to do anything like that. But you can write a generic article about how how best practices of how you know CSMs could turn around difficult accounts. Or, you know, whatever you're passionate about, you could start writing articles about that. Um, and that would really help you to really stand out from the crowd in terms of when you're applying for these roles. Because it, it makes you look, you know, it makes you look like, wow, this person's really engaging. This person is also becoming like a thought leader within within their, within their the industry. So I think it's important to do those things as well. Um, and also in terms of career, I think it's important to, if you can map out where you want to be in the next five years time right if you know that right and i know some people they don't know where they want to be even in a year's time right i completely get that but map out where you want to be in the next five years time and then put plan work backwards from that plan so if you want to be a customer success leader in five years time then think about okay so what do i need to do 
um, three years from now? What do I need to do one year from now to, in order for me to become that customer success leader, right? So have a plan in place. And I would always say, um, and my advice to everyone is always to write down your goals. So write down your, your top five goals that you want to accomplish in that year around your career, also around other things as well. Um, because I find as if you have a holistic approach to your life in terms of, you know, what you want to accomplish in your career, what you want to accomplish in your health and fitness, what you want to accomplish in your love life, for example, whatever, all those things will help you to be a much more powerful and passionate person. And so when you're in front of a potential employer, you're going to come across as someone who's really engaged, who's really switched on, who's really, who's really got something going on for them in life, right? And that really helps you, you get that job and it really helps you to be much more effective in the actual job itself. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, amazing. That's really great. <laughs> yeah, really useful advice. I think um, I like the idea of writing down goals. I think yeah. it shows the ability to have foresight rather than hindsight, right? Yeah, rather exactly. Than getting towards the end of the year and being like, oh, I didn't I didn't achieve that. This exactly. Year. And even if it's on like, for, so for example, I write down my goals, it's on the back of a piece of, a small piece of paper yeah. and it's in the kitchen. It's in a, in a tiny jar in the kitchen. I look at it once a month mm -hmm. and I'm like, am I on track? Am I not on track? Am I on track? Am I not on track? It just helps to, reinforce you know what you're up to in life and what your purpose is and why you're here yeah it kind of helps you to take a step back as well and again it's sort of a cs thing that we were talking about but maybe stopping yourself being too reactive and yeah shifting the focus to exactly. proactive. yeah and you can apply it in a work situation as well right right then your top five goals for this quarter what you want to accomplish you could be with particular customers with, the, with your career development you know you can write it down and then it's re refer to it it's the same principle look at it am i on track it's a great um, way of showing just how you plan for success as well. So exactly. when you are trying to sell yourself, perhaps maybe in a job interview, yes, and say this is exactly yes. exactly what I planned for, and this is how I went about achieving. Definitely, it. definitely. And I always say, I always say, when you come to an interview, always have have in mind your 30, 60, 90 day plan in terms of how you'd be successful in that role. So because it because it shows to the to the the recruiter that you're really thinking about it, and you know, and it helps them to visualize you within the role as well. So it helps you to be more successful in the interview fantastic fantastic and i guess as a coach is there a particular question or a particular set of questions that you get asked a lot of the time um, it's more around career how can okay. i how can i progress in the career or a lot i get actually no more it's more around how can i get into the industry so i have a lot of people who contact me and say how can i get into customer success what do i need to do to get into customer success um so i had someone reach out to me in when was it last november he had lost his job. Um, he was um, he used to be an account manager, but he wanted to get into customer success. He didn't really know how. He'd been to like uh, twenty interviews, not being successful, and so you know, I said, "Well, okay, so let's tell me why you want to work. In, why do you want to be in CS?" He told me why he wanted to be in CS, and um, you know, so I asked him what he was really, what's he truly passionate about, and like, let's let's bring that passion forward because he wasn't really bringing it forward, right? And that was the thing that was missing from his whole communication and then we looked at like so how are you actually answering these interview questions and I found that his his answers were so long and I would get so lost as I was like I'm so lost I don't understand what you're talking about I really don't and this is what's what's missing for you people don't understand what you're talking about so so I said well look do you um look up the star technique you know for answering interview questions so situation this was the situation this this is the task I had to do 
you know, and the, what, so I achieved and this was the result, right? So um, really look at structuring your answers in a, in a way that the audience who you're talking to can really understand what you're talking about. So he did, so he started practicing that. And I said, look, and I said to him, when you get to your final interview, practice it with me before you do it, right? Let's practice, because I really want you to make, I want you to get this role. So then, um, so he called me, I had like, I was really busy that day. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I got to fit this into you and I'm so busy in my own life. And then I said, okay, let me speak to you. I said, look, look, Lisha, I've got 20 minutes. And so let's do this, right? So no messing around. Let's, I want you to do this properly. So he did it. So he went through and his answers were quite clear. And I said, look, you're ready. You need to go and do this now. You've got it. You've got it. So then um, he did the interview. And then uh, three days later, he said to me, do you know what? I've got the job. Yes, I've got the job. So he was right, really happy. So I'm actually meeting him for lunch in a couple of, couple of months. Time to just see how he's getting on in his job now. Because I said, so rewarding for you though as well. Yeah, that's really, it really, really was. So that's usually what I get is people asking me, how can I get into the industry? And I'm more than happy to you know, advise them on how to do that. Um, but I always say to them, but getting the job is the first step, yeah. right? That's the first step. This next step is about how do you then perform? How do you make sure that you're performing consistently at a high level? You know, because as you know, in terms of the life cycle of, of a career, you know, the first six months is the ramp up time. And then what can happen is that you can start having these dips, these dips. Like sometimes you don't want, you don't want to be there anymore. The customers are horrible. The culture is horrible. You can't deal with this anymore. But there's how, how do you deal with that? How do you make sure that you've got the right mindset to deal with that? Right. And it's all about the mindset. Fantastic. That's great. Fantastic cool. advice. And just, um, I guess the last question really is just, have you got any particular views on the future of CS and where it's heading? The future of CS, I think it's very interesting where it's heading. Um, what I'm seeing in terms of the, I think in terms of the candidates I'm looking looking at now, is I think traditionally um, we would look at candidates who had maybe an account management background for the commercial type roles, um, or we look at people who had a service like customer support background and so forth. And I think what we're seeing now is the emergence of this um, all singing, dancing, powerful CSM that is very tech focused, is very technolo technology literate, and also very quite commercial as well. And that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing coming coming through in terms of the people that, that I'm interviewing. They're very quite tech savvy, which I think is a good thing. Um, and also, I think in terms of the future, you know, obviously at the moment we have, well, a lot of us have digital assistants on our phones and we probably have digital assistants in our homes. And I think what's going to happen is the, the software industry will evolve so that it will become digitally enabled. So you'll be able to talk to the software and say, hey, can you proactively tell me, what have you called this software? Can you proactively tell me where are the risk in my territory? Like what's happening? Can you send some automated messages automatically? So I think that's where it's going to be going. So I think you'll see the emergence of technology that's going to be going to assist CSMs even more in terms of doing their roles. And I think you'll have CSMs who you would only really need them for high value accounts or complex accounts, complex products. Because I think for the for the very straightforward products, I think you, you're going to have the the robots that will be able to to do that right because if you if you look at um customer service so for example in the in the call centers the help desk centers now you have the the robots right they are answering queries and, and are able now to answer more complex queries right so sometimes for certain things you're not really going to need a human being to do that 
yeah, the, the robot can do that, right? And um, so I think you'll see the CSM more focused on those high-value interactions. So I think that's what will happen. Fantastic. Perfect. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. You're it's welcome. It's an absolute pleasure yeah. uh, to speak with you. And yeah, we hope to, I certainly hope to do it again. Brilliant. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Thank yeah, you so pleasure much. Pleasure speaking with you.